0: This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I am so glad you've joined us tonight for this service, and it's my prayer that the word and the music will be a blessing. Thank you again for joining us. Would you now please listen to the word of God from Psalm 46? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The earth should change though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me for a word of prayer, please. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, always acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A steward from Harvard came to see the great preacher, Phillips Brooks. And as he came, he shifted from one foot to the other. He hesitated. And then he said, Dr. Brooks, I want to ask you about the doubts of my faith, but I'm afraid I'll upset your faith. At this point, Dr. Brooks leaned back and began to laugh. As a matter of fact, he laughed and he laughed and he laughed until the student laughed with him. This was the best thing Phillips Brooks could have done to answer that student's question. When we are sure of our ground, when we are confident in our own experience and we can say, I believe, we can keep our cool, and for the most part, we can live our lives with confidence. Our text comes from Psalm 46. This is a psalm of assurance. This is a psalm of confidence. It's more like a profession of faith than a prayer. Some of you will remember that it was this psalm upon which Martin Luther based his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Listen, a mighty fortress is our God, a bourg never failing. Our helper he amid the floods of mortal ills prevailing. Tonight I want to focus on confidence. But as Dean Robin Lovin, former dean of the Perkins School of Theology, says, sometimes confidence is mistaken for arrogance. Arrogance is when we have confidence in ourselves. Be sure, I'm not talking about that kind of confidence because that kind of confidence will never make it safely through the night. First of all, there's the problem of confidence. When I was in high school in the ninth grade, I weighed about 90 pounds, and I was trying to play football. I was trying to play quarterback. I played on the B team. I was the third string quarterback. Usually when I got into a game, it had already been decided. But you know what a quarterback does. A quarterback is responsible for passing the ball to the receiver among other things. On one occasion, the coach called me to him and he said, Al, I want you to go into the game, but whatever you do, don't pass the ball. Run it yourself, but don't pass it. He didn't have much confidence in my arm. Can you imagine what that did to my confidence talking with that coach about any potential I had to be an All-American quarterback? It was devastating to say the least, devastating. One of the main problems about confidence is that we carry it in a fragile human vessel that's so easily shattered. Let me say that again. One of the main problems about confidence is that we carry it in a fragile human vessel and it's so easily shattered. You see, our world and our relationships are so tentative and consequently they bring about change and change makes us uneasy. Let's think about this for a minute. Here is a married couple and they divorce. Both partners lose confidence in relationships, so they have a problem with confidence. And what about the confidence of the children of those divorces? I read not long ago about some adults that were questioned. These were adults who as children were the children of divorced parents. They said their reactions always led them to emptiness and always let them to pain. Sometimes we're in an automobile accident. About a week later, the car's fixed, or we get a new car. But it takes us a long time to regain our confidence as drivers. And then along comes a hurricane or a tornado or a flood, and it causes multiple devastation, and we lose our confidence. Here we are struggling with these kind of things and our conference is hard to come to us. I read for some people in Florida, these people had gone through a tornado and to the last one they said, I never want to be in one of these again. And then change causes us to lose confidence. Sometimes change is good, sometimes change is bad, sometimes change is global, sometimes change is local, but whenever change comes it causes us to lose confidence. Remember back to the turn of the century. What were we told? We were told to stay off elevators because they were going to stop. We were told to stay out of airplanes. They would fall from the sky. We were told that our computers would go haywire and this society would be out of control. And then there are those personal issues we have with change. Sometimes there's a job loss. Sometimes a spouse is deployed. Sometimes a spouse dies. Change causes all of us to be very, very... The great noted preacher, Max Lucado, he said that he learned a lot about trust from his swing. He said as a child he would be pushed by his parents, maybe his father or his mother, and it would be fun. His parents could do anything they wanted to to him on that swing. They could push him, twist him, stop him, whatever. It was fun because he trusted his parents who were pushing him. But he said then he would go to some of those family reunions. And he said other people in the family were pushing people he was not familiar with and he said it was hang on for dear life hang on baby he said he would get tense and all balled up and he would have all kinds of problems he said the problem was when he didn't know who was pushing the swing he didn't have confidence that's kind of the way it is with many people in our world today they feel like that they don't know who's pushing the swing and so confidently they don't have any confidence. They have that kind of problem. Now, this psalm of confidence, to many people, is like Jack and the Beanstalk or some other, some other kind of fairy tale. They just don't believe it happens. Martin Marty told about the time that he lost his wife. He said it was a horrible time for him. And he said it led him to come to understand that we need something called a wintry spirituality. When we lose the warmth and joy of life in our own ingenuity is not able to bring it back, we need some other kind of power. In other words, we need to be able to hold on to God when we feel like God is not holding on to us. That's the problem of confidence. And then there is the secret of confidence. The secret of confidence. Now, the kind of confidence I'm talking about is not a whistle-through-the-night kind of confidence. This psalmist This psalmist understood what I was talking about. He knew that there was nothing easy about life. He also had every reason to be fearful or afraid. And so the psalmist in Psalm 46 gives us the absolute worst case scenario for anything that would happen. If you look at verses 2 and 3, the change that he's talking about is like a direct hit by a tornado, or it's also like, somehow on the Richter scale ten with an earthquake. And then it was even worse than that because in the Near Eastern understanding of things, the mountains were the foundation of the earth and they also held up the sky. And so when the mountains were trembling or shaking, it was horrible. It was the psalmist's way of saying the world is coming to an end. But I want you to notice that even while the psalmist was describing this, the psalmist had faith and confidence in God. He said, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. In other words, he was still able to trust in God even when he felt like the world, the structure of the world, was falling apart. You know, the little girl was right when she said at the conclusion of her prayer, and please, God, take care of yourself, because if anything happens to you, we are all sunk. If you continue reading in Psalm 46, you'll see that everything seems to be moving, But there's one thing that is stable. The psalmist says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The river is the peaceful, wonderful river who moves signifying the presence of God. God is with the troubling Israelites no matter what their situation. God was always with them and he is always with them. And the psalmist was making that absolutely clear. Now, our biblical ancestors, their confidence was in God, was in trust, not of people or circumstances, but in God. Back during the Second World War, it was a terrible time, and a British liner set out from England to go to a port in America. It was a dangerous time for sailing. He was given secret directions of what he should do. He should start straight ahead and never deviate, never turn. And if he needed help, just send out word on this secret code. Well, it had been out in the water for a few days, and the first thing he saw was a German cruiser. And so on that secret code, he said, enemy cruiser sighted. what shall I do? Back came the response from an unseen ship or anything else. It said, keep straight ahead. I'm here if you need me. Well, that British liner continued on and finally sailed right into the American port safely. Soon afterward, there came a British man of war that sailed in behind. That ship was there all the time, even though the British line of captain did not know it. He was there all the time. That is so much like God. God is there if we need him. Not long ago, I heard a humorous tape. It was by Ken Davis, the humorous preacher. He said that he had brought into being this uh, special T-shirt. And on the T-shirt, he had a lion that hadn't eaten in two months. He had a wolf and he had a snake. And they had a pathway. The pathway went right between these, the snake and the lion and the wolf. And they were doing their terrifying things, hissing and everything. But on this path right between them came a little lamb, a little sheep. He was holding the hand of Jesus. And as he walked through these terrifying comments and... Yells and everything, he simply said, I'm with him. The psalmist would understand. Now, I think I need to say a word about divine protection. When we start talking about divine protection, we can get mixed up. We need to remember that divine protection always has to do with the ultimate. Now, we're not going to be necessarily delivered from pain and suffering. God is going to deliver us in pain and suffering. The cross is a great example. Jesus was not delivered from that suffering. Jesus was delivered in that suffering. And how important that is to be able to distinguish. Father Theodore Hesburgh, who was the former president of Notre Dame University, loved this saying. He said, you know, I don't know a whole lot about tomorrow, but I do know that providence will be up before dawn. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know much about tomorrow, but I do know that providence will be up before dawn. Now, let me share with you at least three things we need to understand about the dependability of God. First of all, God is on our side. God is on our side. That's something to understand. That's what it means. He's a very present help in times of need. He's our strength, a very present help in times of need. I wonder if we understand our status as children of God. Three men were talking about status. them said, how do you know when you've arrived? He said, well, you've arrived when you've been invited by the president to meet him at the White House. The other said, no, that's not what you know. He said, you'll know you have arrived when you meet with the president of the White House. The hotline goes off, but he doesn't pay any attention to it because he's talking to you. The other one said, no, that's not it at all. You know that you're of certain status when you are invited to the White House to eat with the president. And the hotline goes off and he answers it and then says, here, it's for you. No, that's not what real status is. I want to remind you what status is. It comes from First John. This is what he says. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. That is our status. God is on our side. Then secondly, God is by outside. John Claypool lost his seven-year-old daughter to leukemia. And somebody asked him, they said, does God really make a difference at a time like that? He said, not by soaring ecstasy or energetic being. He said, but by quiet endurance, quiet endurance. Claypool reminds us that for some reason unknown to God, Unknown to us, God sometimes says, I'm going to solve your problem. On other times, he says, I'm going to solve your problem with others. And then still at other times, he says, I'm not going to solve your problem at all because you're going to grow in grace and strength from the experience. And that's exactly what happened to the apostle Paul, wasn't it? Paul had the thorn in the flesh. He asked God to take it away three times, but God didn't take it away. What God said to Paul was, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And then not only is God on our side and by our side, but God gives us God's peace inside, inside. What an important revelation that is. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. A heart free of trouble and discord and anxiety is a heart that knows that the grace of God will enable us to meet all our needs. So what is the secret of confidence? It is the dependability of God. So I hope you'll say this again with me quietly in your own home. God is on our side, God is by our side, and God gives us God's peace inside. And then thirdly, there's the invitation to live confidently. The invitation to live confidently. How are we going to live confidently as people of God? well we're told how to do this by the psalmist he gives us two directions first of all he says come behold the works of the lord come behold the works of the lord take a long careful look at what god is doing in the world you have to do it sometimes with direction intentionality and you have to do it calmly and confidently if you're really going to see what God is doing in the world. It'll take patience. You see, humankind has its advertisements. What humankind does has advertisements, and it's noisy. Humankind's works are always noisier than God's works, and yet God's works are silent, but God's works are there, and God's works are beautiful. You remember that book, Waldo? It was written by Martin Hanford. Waldo was just a... Some kind of extra thought when those books were first written but then what happened was the children got to looking for Waldo on the pages of those books they became fascinated until 40 million books were sold in 28 countries now the author tells us that Waldo is located on every page but sometimes we have to look hard to find Waldo it takes patience and it takes effort and intentionality Come and behold the works of God." That's what the psalmist says. The second thing the psalmist says is, if we are going to live confidently, is to be still and know that I am God. The psalmist is telling us to slow down, quit thinking that we are the only part of life, that life is about us and our concerns only. We're told to slow down. If God is our salvation and our strength, then we need to know more about God and we need to learn his will for our lives. So confidence comes to us in quietness. And once we are quiet, then comes perspective. And then comes confidence. One of our preachers was sent a short story by a friend. And the friend told him about his grandfather. He said every night his grandfather would go out on the porch, sit in a rocking chair, and he would just look at the stars. And then this friend said, you know, that's the trouble with the world. Not enough people are willing to go out on the porch and look at the stars. And consequently, the world is in a mess. Do you know what that friend was really saying? He's saying not enough people are willing to cultivate their souls. So what does the psalmist say to us? He says, be still, be still, and know that I am God. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful for the lesson of the psalmist. We are grateful that he reminds us that you are indeed our refuge and our strength and our very present help in times of need. We realize we can turn to you, so help us to do so. We need your guidance in our lives. Help us to look for that guidance, and we need to trust you in a greater way. So help us to be trusting in you in all things. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us tonight, and I trust you will join us again next week.
1: Just
0: as I am
1: without one plea, but that thy blood. be whose blood can cleanse each blood